Hi, and welcome to the Ready for Love podcast with Julia. I'm Julia. And today I have a whole new episode completely about communication. This topic was brought up by one of my friends who uh, very gracefully listened to the first episode that I um, released a couple days ago, or a few days ago rather at this point. And I gave it some thought. There were a couple of other suggestions, but I thought, okay, this is a good starting point. So let's start here. Communication, a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. I'd say communication is everything and everything is communication. Let me start by talking a little bit about how we communicate. Your body communicates, body language. Some of you might be rolling your eyes here about this, but body language is a real thing. When things are happening within the privacy of your mind, and usually I'd say there's always something going on in your mind, it tends to bleed through your body and your mannerisms, your tone of voice, your energy, your choices, and all the nonverbal ways that we communicate. Especially if you are not a person who's very focused and self-aware about these, um, these aspects or when you're in a very intense emotion, those things are even more present. And it affects the tension in your muscles, the way you sit or stand, where you're looking, how you're moving your hands, your breathing. All of these things are affected by whatever's going on with you. For example, right now, I am not being able to control the flow of air through my speech very well because I'm a little bit nervous. Now, I'm not here saying anyone should either start like super controlling their beha physical behaviors or that anyone should become a so-called body language interpreter or body language expert because this is not necessarily translatable into a direct message, right? Like interpreting someone's physical expressions of their, of their mental state is not a, like a technical thing. It's not exactly precise. Maybe you can tell someone is uncomfortable or nervous or distracted, but there are countless reasons why that would be. Uh, and so you never know really what exactly is going on in someone's mind or why they are nervous or what they are preoccupied with that has distracted them. And that's why what I'm saying here is not that anyone should be overly interpreting those signs. However, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a lot of data coming through body language. Next thing I wanna say is every action communicates. Every choice you make, every decision you take, every action will communicate something. So choices and actions also communicate something about your mental state, your interests, your priorities, your goals. 
um, and your values. And of course, the same goes in relationships. For example, the choice to call your partner first thing when something important or exciting happens to you versus the choice to only tell them about it next time you meet. So that could be days later, right? The choice to do something versus not doing or doing the opposite always communicates something. In this example about the call, calling your partner right away would say that they are that important to you. They are the first person you want to share the news with, uh, that it's important for you to share your excitement with someone and that they are that important in your life that you want them to immediately be a part of things. Whereas choosing not to say anything and save it for the next time you meet doesn't necessarily say you don't want to share your joy or that they are not important to you, but it definitely says something else about what priority that relationship is taking in your life at the moment, which could be totally fair. But all in all, these actions communicate something about the way you see life, your priorities currently, your perspective on things, your mental state, your character, your values, the place where your relationship is at at the moment. And the message being given by your actions may not be obvious or very precise or exactly clear, but there is data there as well, for sure. And yes, some people will draw direct conclusions from these things independently, or for other people, it all kind of goes into a big compilation of data that over time, as they look at what the numbers are saying or what the compiled data is saying, over time, they will develop an understanding of your relationship, also taking your actions into account. And then let's talk about the obvious, the classic, the OG verbal communication. Now we're all familiar with good old talking and it's certainly the main classic way that we rely on to communicate within our relationships. Some people take verbal communication as a way of understanding each other, um, even of learning the truth of how people feel or think. But I'd say verbal communication is not really reliable as a tool for truth. I'd say verbal communication is more a tool for negotiation and an opportunity to connect. So here's what I mean by that. Within relationships, we all present with strategies to meet our needs, some of our needs, right? So we have needs and then we come up usually subconsciously and then as we get older and more experienced, hopefully consciously, but we come up with strategies to get our needs met. And our strategies don't always perfectly meet all of our needs, of course, um, because people are complicated and things, things aren't always straightforward, but especially also because some of our needs can be conflicting. Some of our needs might pull us in different directions. And then because you have a different need and priority at a certain time, you will make different choices, right? And use different strategies, depending on what needs you're focusing on at the moment. But 
what we choose to share and to say to each other, whether it reflects a truth of our experiences or not, is always part of a strategy. And that's not a bad thing. Now, I know this is a rather cold and unromantic way to see things, thinking in strategy terms, but this concept doesn't necessarily mean people are cold and calculating or manipulative in their relationships. Not any more than literally every other person is anyway. Everyone is using strategies. We're just always trying to negotiate a situation so that it meets our needs in the best way we can. And for that, we use a variety of strategies. Okay, so for example, let's say you have a need to feel intimately connected in your relationship. One way you can achieve this sense of connection is by sharing things verbally, very vulnerably with your partner. You might choose to tell very intimate truths to them in order to have this feeling that they see you and they know you, they see the real you, you feel accepted. And you might even prompt your partner with questions to also elicit their vulnerable sharing, to get them to open up to you in a similar way. So you feel like you're both reaching for this vulnerable connection. As you can see, using strategies is a natural ongoing thing in every relationship. And it's not necessarily something done consciously, like I said. It's actually very innate to us. And we develop strategies through our upbringing from when we're very little babies, newborn. And we use these strategies all the time. And these strategies are often employing verbal communication. So having that in mind. And by the way, if you're curious about this whole strategy stuff, let me know. Uh, I learned about it from the dynamic maturational model by Crittenden. And I can talk about it in another episode if this is of any interest, but it might get a little too technical. Anyway, going back. So we talk and we use strategies and in using those strategies, we talk. And having that in mind, here's what I think is important for us all to realize about talking, in my opinion. You will never get a report of what's actually going on inside someone's head and heart. You will never know someone's true thoughts, true feelings, and true motivations. There is simply no way to know it for a fact. You cannot crack their head open and look inside. People lie or misrepresent the truth, sometimes unintentionally. People sometimes don't understand themselves. They don't know what they're going through. They don't get why they feel the way they feel. They're often completely unaware of their strategies and their priorities and their needs. And what they say is maybe what they wish was true or what they think is true or what they somehow feel will help them get their needs met, or even what they think people want to hear, or what they think the right way to be is. So how people represent themselves in words is not always accurate. Newsflash, people lie, right? (laughs) But even when people don't want to lie, even when people don't want to deceive, what they say is not always a very clear, honest picture of what's happening with them. 
talking is not as infallible and sure as some relationship advice you might have come across makes it seem. Even some books and stuff will say, like, you know, talk, 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 talk. Yeah, but talking doesn't do the whole, you know, work. Certainly talking is essential, but it's not a complete form of communication, in my opinion. Talking is just one tool we have. And we have a lot of mastery over talking, right? We have a lot of skill when it comes to talking. We focus so much on what we say and the words we're choosing. Especially when compared to the other types of communication I mentioned, right? Like your, your physical communication, your body language, and the, the what your actions communicate. We tend not to think about those things as much or be as intentional about those things. But we are very careful about what words we choose so that we don't come across like this and we don't make people think that. When you compare your verbal mastery to your mastery of your body language, you probably are much better at carefully selecting your words than meticulously controlling your breathing, your gaze, or your looking, your facial expression, the tension in your body. And many people don't even think about what their actions can be saying, right? So it might feel safe for people to steer away from these abstractions of body language and what actions communicate and, and focus more on the control and specificity of words. But what I want to say is that, yes, body language is not something you can easily decipher or put meaning to. And interpreting someone's actions is, you know, equally complicated. But so are words. Interpreting the truth behind someone's words is also tricky and not as straightforward as we make it seem. So body language is not fully reliable. Interpreting someone's actions is not fully reliable. Verbal communication is not fully reliable. What is reliable? What can we trust? Here's the bad news. Nothing. We cannot absolutely be sure of anything when it comes to communication. It goes right back to what I was saying in the beginning. There is no way you can get a report of someone's thoughts and feelings and motivations. You can never know what's truly going inside someone's head. There is no way to crack their head open and look inside, like I said. And even reading someone's diary will only tell you one version of how they thought in one moment and how they chose to express those thoughts in that moment, but not necessarily the full encompassing truth of their experience and feelings. So accepting that we will never ever truly deeply thoroughly know any other person is I think one of the hardest things when it comes to relating to each other. Um, especially when we're thinking about the closest and dearest people to us, like a romantic partner. How can we feel safe in our relationships when we can never really, really, really know what's going on with someone else? That's the big question that I think comes up with this realization that is definitely something I'm hoping to talk about in another episode, talking about trust. But coming back to communication, right? What 
what do people mean when they say in very common advice that communication is important? What they mean is usually verbal communication. I see mainly two things that they, what they really mean is one, that negotiation is important. By openly voicing your thoughts verbally, your needs, your issues, you are creating an opportunity for you to negotiate solutions and alternatives with your partner that can be mutually satisfying and in line with your values and the kind of life you want to lead, such as a life that's focused on family or on career, your values of integrity, justice, fairness, things like that. I mean, I don't know what your values are or what kind of life you want to lead, but certainly openly talking about what you really want and what's really important to you is a way to negotiate it with your partner. So that's one reason I think people say communication is important. It's literally using your voice to advocate for what you want, for your needs. And number two, I think that when people say verbal communication is important, what they mean is connection is important. Because when we communicate verbally, we're creating an opening, we're creating a, a circumstance, a situation where there's room for vulnerability and therefore connection, especially if you are telling the truth. Like I said, what's going on in your mind kind of comes through your body's behaviors in the form of nervous gestures, facial expression, la vida, tone of voice, what I said. So not only in the act of sharing stories and telling things you want to tell people, is, but also in moments where, for example, your partner observes things in you, like nervousness, fidgeting, jitters, they observe that in you. If you volunteer the reality of what's going on in your mind, of what you're experiencing in your thoughts to them, you can validate what they're perceiving. You're telling them, yes, you're right. I am nervous. There is something up. And no, you were not imagining things. This is, this is the healthy, desirable opposite of what people call gaslighting, which is when you deny what you're actually experiencing and what the other person is actually witnessing with their senses. This type of exchange of vulnerable, honest exchange builds trust. Paradoxically, even when the truth that you are sharing might be very painful for a partner to hear. For example, you go to dinner with your friends, uh, with your friends and your partner's friends, and your partner catches you paying specific attention to one of their friends and talking a lot more to one of their friends and kind of smiling and blushing at one of their friends. And then your partner says to you, you looked like you were kind of into my friend during dinner. And you choose to say, yeah, I, I did kind of feel attracted to your friend. How can, <laughs> how can an, uh, I, maybe you just went like, oh my God. How can an admission like this 
build trust. It can build trust because you're not trying to convince your partner that the thing that they witnessed with their very eyes and with their senses is a lie. Of course, if, if it did happen, you know, of course, maybe you are not feeling attracted to the person, but I'm, I'm coming from the, uh, I'm supposing that you were in this uh, specific situation. And I'm also supposing you're being honest with yourself, that you're not being like a, some goody two shoes telling yourself that, no, what I felt was not attraction. I am a man of honor or I am a woman of honor. I did not feel that. Come on. Let's say that you're honest with yourself for starters and you did feel attracted to that friend. Maybe they had really good banter. I don't know. Maybe they look great. Who knows? I don't know. But let's say in this scenario, you did feel attracted and you told, you admitted it to your, to your partner, your partner confronted you and you admitted it to them. In not trying to convince your partner that they're crazy, just so that you save face, just so that you look good, just so that you look like you're very honorable and dignified and, you know, above all that, or just so that you avoid some kind of jealousy or conflict that you're afraid of, by telling the truth, you are telling them that it's important for you to tell them the truth even when it's difficult, that they deserve the truth. You are, you are not hiding something from them even though it's tough to face. And of course, in a situation like this example, how you deal with having this attraction and having this conversation is also very important as well. Uh, maybe that's too much to delve into right this second. But I do believe that the alternative to telling the truth in a moment like that, right? If you just say, oh no, actually I didn't feel attractive, la di da di da And let's say you did, is that your partner is going to be torn between what they saw and what they witnessed and what you're saying, which doesn't really match reality. Over time, that will make them trust you less. And every time they have an interaction like this, they're going to be back in that, in that tug of war, you know? Whereas when you talk about things openly, you have an opportunity to, again, negotiate. Negotiate, speak for your needs, speak for your values. In this kind of situation, what do you think? Do you think you should be entertaining people you're attracted to? Do you think it's okay to have banter? What do you think? What does your partner think? Have an open talk, figure it out together. Um, that's communication. <laughs> but it, it, other than the negotiating part, being vulnerable like this builds connection. Because even though it might cause your partner to be jealous, your partner now knows a secret about you. They now know something that was going on in the privacy of your mind. You have shared something vulnerably. You are now more connected. Who knows? Maybe when your partner feels attracted to one of your friends or a new person they meet, they will tell you about it. And so on goes the beautiful flow of connection. But by the way, sometimes the changes in your behavior around your partner are not necessarily related to your partner, obviously. But in those, even in those cases, it can be a really good relief to your partner 
to tell them what's actually going on or at the very least that there is something going on. Like maybe you're worried about your job and you're just thinking about some conflicts you're having at work or you're worried about a parent who's ill, you know, maybe your mom or your dad is going through cancer treatment and you're just freaking out thinking about what happens next. And all of those things can make you act off. They can make you have a weird expression and be distracted and not pay attention and and just look bothered all the time and look anxious. The simple act of telling your partner, even just, I just have a lot in my mind right now and that's why I've been off today, but it's not you. Don't worry. That goes a long way to building that trust and connection. You know, even if you're not ready to talk about the specific thing that's going on with you. Either way, the moment you start a verbal conversation, it's an opportunity to connect or deceive. But let's assume that you don't want to deceive. It's an opportunity to connect. So now that I have told you, now that I have shared with you the way I see communication, the way I understand it and the different facets of it that I... I want to tell you a little bit about myself. So before recording this, I spent some time trying to think of a personal story about communication that I could share with you. I wanted to come up with something specific, but really what came up was more of an overall impression of all my past relationships and not really like one specific story. Some people would say I'm pretty young, I'm nearly 30, and all the relationships I've ever had were also with similarly young people around my age. And I think this picture that's painted on my mind, this impression of my communication and relationships is definitely tinted by that age factor. I mean, now I can see myself and the people I give my time and love to over the years with a certain degree of compassion. I think we, we were kids or even, you know, we were, we were trying to grow. So it's not, it's not, it, although it's kind of, a, you know, not great picture. Uh, I don't particularly resent it. And what picture was that? So how we communicated was mostly like this. We used words. Um, we had a lot of control over words, as a lot of people who are, you know, speaking do. <laughs> and we really focused on the words. And almost like only the words were fair game. Um, but even though we were focusing on the words, we were present there with our whole selves, with our bodies, with all the actions and inactions that built the relationships we were living in. And all those other things, like I already said, also spoke volumes. Um, so we were seeing our gestures, hearing the tone of our voices, witnessing the nervousness, the fear, the disappointment, all those, you know, difficult feelings manifesting themselves very physically when, when we were having difficult conversations. And all of our selfishness and immaturity and thoughtlessness and dismissiveness all came through our actions as well. 
but we didn't acknowledge or directly respond to those things unless they were specifically admitted to in words like like talking about something that wasn't said in words would mean that we were making things up or that we were exaggerating or that we were misinterpreting or that we were being crazy like like everything that wasn't said in words was imagined and you know a few years back i decided to try bringing these things up in discussions even though i was you know hitting against this feeling of this is not this is not fair like you know this is not uh it, it, this is not included this is not real i just decided to start bringing it up anyway I wanted to talk about the reality we were experiencing and figure out what was up with that and why it didn't seem to reflect the conversations we were having. And for a variety of reasons, my partners would react with a lot of resistance. They would downplay uh, the things I was bringing up. They would dismiss them or plainly lie about what was happening. Um, even something like you seem nervous or you seem distracted, are you paying attention? Or, you know, received with a lot of resistance. They, were, they, they wouldn't admit that they were feeling nervous or they were distracted. Instead, they would respond with like, oh, you can't tell me how I feel, which, you know, I wasn't. I was observing nervousness in their body and asking them if they were nervous. Or... Oh, of course I was paying attention, but just because you asked if I was paying attention, then I forgot what you were saying, which, huh, it, it didn't happen like that with other, most other people in my life, but I never noticed uh, what was wrong with that. <sighs> so at the time when they would defend themselves like that and say like, oh no, of course I was paying attention, or of course I'm not nervous, of course I'm calm. I would just take their words to heart because who am I to tell them how they feel and who am I to tell them what they're doing? They know what they're doing and they know how they feel. But still it was a constant battle between what I was seeing and experiencing and feeling and living in versus what they were telling me. And maybe because of my cultural environment or maybe because of my upbringing, or maybe because of my personality, I would just think, well, maybe they're right then. Like I said, um, who am I to tell them how they feel? Who am I to decide what they're doing? They're the ones who know themselves. And I kept trying and trying to figure things out, coming from this assumption that they were being honest and truthful about themselves. And, you know, eventually, I, it took me a while, but I realized that they weren't. And that's an impossible kind of relationship for a person like me to be in because I'm not able to ignore things when they happen and pretend they didn't happen or pretend that they didn't bother me. So because of this way that I am, I wasn't with the right people for me back then. And I'm not saying that they were intentionally lying to me necessarily, but like I said earlier, you know, sometimes you just don't know yourself very well. Sometimes 
you are confused as well. Sometimes you're just not even thinking about it. But at the end of the day, you are misrepresenting the truth either way. Yeah, so those weren't the right relationships. But here's what I can take from this picture of communication in my past relationships. Being honest with yourself and your partner can be hard. And I'm going to say this probably 10 more times until the end of this recording. Being honest with yourself and your partner can be hard, but it's worth it. If you're looking for genuine connection and living authentically, it's worth it. I know that sometimes being honest with yourself means you need to make huge difficult decisions. Like, you know, if you're honest with yourself, maybe you have to leave a relationship you enjoy because it's not right for you. It's not right for the life you want to lead or it's just not fitting anymore. Or maybe it's just not the right time for you to be in that relationship. And I know that keeping things to yourself when things are difficult and and just carrying on as if nothing's happening and just saying what you think people want to hear, denying that anything is happening, denying anything that might lead to conflict. I know these things might feel safer and more comfortable, especially if your priority is just keeping things as they are as long as possible because, because you you are terrified of change or you just don't want to be uncomfortable. But... Yeah, like this only works if you really don't care about living authentically or being truly happy or satisfied with your life or truly connected to your partner. If you can be honest, if you can validate all forms of communication that are happening between you and your partner, your actions, your body's behavior, as well as your words, of course, then you can create a much more fair and real environment for your relationship. And if your goal is true connection, enjoyment, authenticity, and vitality with your partner, then I'd say this is the way to go. Um, And as for people who are struggling with a partner who doesn't want to speak all languages of communication, let's say, all I can ask you is, Are you happy? Is this working for you? Does not addressing things directly feel okay to you? If you're not happy and it doesn't work for you and you're not okay with it, then you will need to find a partner who can communicate with you the way that you need. And that's tough, especially after you already love someone. But you can only change how you act, not how your partner acts. And if they, for whatever reason, no matter how hard you're working, no matter if you're doing your best, for whatever reason, they choose to continue not acknowledging the things being said non-verbally in your relationship, you can't change them. It's just something you have to accept. So, in conclusion, we have learned that we are always communicating in a variety of ways. And we have learned that this communication is probably never 100% truthful. And we have learned that we talk mostly to negotiate our needs or to build connection. 
So what can we do with all this to improve the ways we communicate in our relationships? Here are some of my ideas. Number one, I'd say focus on honesty first within yourself. Because the more you understand yourself and accept what you're actually going through, the more you can make conscious decisions about how you want to act and how you want to express yourself. The more you understand yourself, the more real you are with, yes, I do feel this. Yes, that is something I'm experiencing, whether it sounds bad or not, whether it's nice or not. Just truly accept what's going on with you so that you can be conscious about it and deal with it without pretending it's not happening. If you do that, then you're much better able to talk honestly with your partner and your behaviors and your actions will be more synced, more in line with what you say. And that makes it easier for your partner to trust you. So that's my number one suggestion is be real with yourself and then be honest with your partner. The second idea is that we should be intentional with our choices. So since our actions communicate something to our partners, we should think of what our actions could be communicating when we choose what to do. For example, If I'm not in the right state of mind to really sit patiently and give full attention to my partner while they tell me about their day, maybe because I'm stressed about work or maybe I'm going through something difficult, then I need to make a choice in that moment. Maybe I need to tell my partner what's going on and I'll say something like, I really want to be able to listen to you properly, but right now I'm so worried about this other thing. Can you maybe tell me about your day later when we sit down for dinner? Something like that will protect your partner from, you know, talking at a at a wall essentially. Or maybe even, you know, my part my partner would ask me in that moment of course, what's happening? Tell me what you're worried about. And then we can choose to have a conversation about that or not. Or if you want to listen to your partner right now, even though I'm, you know, I'm in this, if I'm, if I want to listen to my partner right now and I'm in this, you know, clouded mindset, I'm too anxious, I'm too worried, but I want to do this right now. It's my job to help myself get into the mental state that I need to be in, in order to give them the full attention they deserve in that moment. So if I'm choosing to stay in that interaction, I need to be able to consciously take a few deep breaths and let go of my stress and choose not to think about my stress so I can be fully focused and present as my partner tells me about their day. Either way, either direction you choose to go to, maybe let's talk later, or maybe I can do this right now. It's important that you're choosing not to simply sit there and be distracted and nervous and fidgeting and thinking about something else while your partner is trying to connect with you, while your partner is trying to say something to you. Maybe not necessarily something important, but the interaction you're supposed to be having in that moment is important. 
the act of connecting. And by choosing not to ignore them one way or another, you're communicating that you respect your partner and that you value this experience of connecting with them over a chat that you're trying to preserve. So think of what your actions mean. My third suggestion is become fluent or speak about all languages of communication. I think it's important to acknowledge and address all the different conversations that are happening between you and your partner, especially when you're facing challenges. Have meta conversations. Talk about how your talk is going. Let's say you're talking about some conflict that you're having. Take a pause from that conversation and talk about the way you're talking about your conflict. Hey, how do you feel about my tone? Do you, do you feel like I'm in the right mindset? Do you feel like you're being heard? Do you feel like I'm listening to you? Uh, how, are, how are you doing? Are you nervous? Is this too much? Do you need a break? Are you hungry? Having these meta conversations helps you be in the right mindset to better tackle your actual issues. It shows your partner that you care about their well-being and about doing things right. And it helps bring into light and acknowledge the body language being expressed during your conversation. Ask your partner about what you see. Ask them about what they're seeing in you. Maybe your partner is all curled up or holding their legs up to their chest. Maybe your partner is looking away all the time. Or maybe they're biting the inside of their cheek. Maybe your partner is covering their face when they talk. And what, what do these things feel like to you? Ask your partner about it. Ask them how they're feeling without assumptions. Hey, I see you're biting your fingers a lot. Are you all right? Are you feeling anxious? Do we need a break? Is there something you're worried about that I can reassure you of before we continue with our conversation? Even if your partner doesn't want to acknowledge what they're doing or up and up in that moment, because sometimes we do get defensive, right? If someone just says like, hey, I notice you're a little nervous. You're like, I'm not nervous in the moment. Um... But even if they're not ready for that, you yourself have realized little by little that maybe the current mood in the conversation is not the most conducive to, to problem solving. And maybe you will take the initiative to take a cool down moment. Or maybe even your partner will appreciate you noticing and you can have this moment to breathe in a time out together or separately if you want. And if your partner asks you, hey, I see you're looking away all the time. Are you distracted by something? I encourage you to take a deep breath and be honest with yourself. Are you distracted? Just admit it. That doesn't make you a bad person. Just admit it. It's fine. It might be embarrassing and it might feel bad to have lost focus while your partner talked to you. You might feel even like you're a bad person if you're very self-judgmental. But acknowledging that what they saw is true is better than making them feel crazy by denying it. And then you also open up an opportunity to apologize for being distracted and to fix your mistake by paying attention <laughs> or even to ask for what you need if you need something. 
for example, you're talking on, on the street or in public and you say, sorry, there's a weird guy walking your way and I'm kind of worried that he's going to come to approach us. Maybe you want to, you need to focus on something else for a second. Or maybe, sorry, I just got a text from my mom and it, I'm really worried about her. I, I just want to look at this for a second before we continue talking. This is an opportunity to tell the truth instead of pretending that literally what your partner is seeing is not happening. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think I've repeated myself enough times. I really hammered it home that uh, communication is happening all the time and that truth telling is not necessarily happening all the time. So we need to make a conscious effort to be honest with ourselves first and then be honest with our partners. And I think, I think I'll end the topic here. I, I had this whole other part uh, where I talked about physical communication, so not body language necessarily, or kind of another aspect of body language. But I think I will leave that part for another episode where I talk about like sex and sex skills and stuff, if anybody finds that interesting. I mean, I think that would be a very fun topic. And yeah. I'm trying not to be too confusing when I talk about things, but it's challenging because I feel like my head is going in a bunch of different directions at the same time. So if you have any advice on how to sound less confusing, do let me know. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate everyone who listened to the first episode. Really thank you. And thank you even more for listening to the second one now all the way to the end. Like I said, if you have any questions, suggestions, ideas, any specific topics you want to, uh, you want me to talk about, or anything you want to talk about, any stories you want to share, any questions you have, anything you want advice with, please write to me. Uh, I'm on Instagram at rflwithjulia, or you can email me rflwithjulia at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a good week. Ciao.